You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. I want to thank the White Sox at the start of this show. Thank you, White Sox. If you're going to be a dumpster fire, then you should be a public dumpster fire that uh, provides content and something for us to to pay attention to for the next couple of months when you're playing meaningless baseball. Because you're not even, like, really developing players when you have Yasmani Grandal still on the roster, even though there's no reasonable excuse for it at this point because I don't think it would make any sense to bring him back next year and Elvis Andrus out there playing when I'm sure there's somebody down in the minors like Sosa who could get another crack at the major leagues and we could learn something about him in the last couple of months so if you're going to be the way that you are and operate so dysfunctionally I'm so happy that it's public because at least there's something for us to watch and talk about. Not just that it's public, but if you're going to be a dumpster fire, don't be like a little smoke coming out of the side of the dumpster. You want like fully engaged, giant flames, the smell, things popping and cracking in there. You're not sure if there's going to be an explosion of some sort. Make it something that we're all standing back watching going, Burn, baby, burn. And I'm telling you, it's burning. It's burning and it stinks too. And the explanations stink. When you listen to Rick Hahn speak and Yasmani Grandal speak and Pedro Grafal speak, and, and when you when you pick this all apart, uh, this entire episode is brought to you, as it always is, by the famous, the spectacular, the incredible, the best place that you can go pregame and postgame right outside the ballpark, the official sponsor of Socks in the Basement, Cork and Carry at the park at 33rd in Princeton with an incredible bar, indoor-outdoor seating, Uh, amazing food, an incredible staff, the place where Nancy Faust goes and plays when she all of a sudden decides she's going to come out and see White Sox fans. Where else would she have been like she was a couple of weeks ago? And if you missed that episode, remember, it's on demand anywhere podcasts can be found and always at SoxInTheBasement.com. Get out to the Cork pregame, bring the family, postgame, have a beer, commiserate, and talk about what we're going to talk about now at the 9-Foot Homemade Oak Bar because this is is what all White Sox fans are talking about. And, And I thought to myself... Maybe I should just play all the audio and comment on it as it goes along. And I thought it's only a half hour show. And also, we Nancy did not provide us with nearly enough circus organ music to play out <laughs> underneath it. So, and and here's the other thing: uh, you can go to a, a radio station that played it here in Chicago, and they've got like everything sitting there on their website. So if you didn't hear the comments, and after we talk on this show, you're like, "Oh, I want to hear that." Feel free. And I, I think it's a great thing because because I think what the reporters sent out don't capture the insanity of what was said on Monday by the White Sox organization, and that's mainly Rick Hahn in front of the microphone. So let's let's go through the last couple of days real quick. Tim Anderson gets into a fight. Down goes Anderson. Gets shouted. That's a great call by the by the Cleveland announcer. By the yeah, way, yeah. And down I mean, goes no Anderson. No matter what you think. I mean, like that. As somebody that's done broadcast, I thought that was spectacular. I was like, yeah, man, I, that guy. Was... He knew what he was doing when he did it, and and he he nailed it. All right, that was the best call of the fight. Was the Cleveland radio announcer? Just to kind of look at that real quick, because you can get yourself caught up in the fight. And I know a lot of people want to hear what we think about the fight. It clearly was built up over years 
if you listen to the, the to the Guardian side and you listen to the White Sox side, this has been built up for years. Now, each side thinks the other guy started it. Each side thinks that the other guy's got somebody who's the, the, the antagonist in it. There's a reason, though, that Tim Anderson got six games, even though he got knocked down and had to take a concussion test before he could play on Monday. And Ramirez got half of it. It's because Ramirez has never done anything like what Anderson has done multiple times. I think that's his first ejection. Let's face it. Anderson is the one who dropped his mitt and put the Dukes up. Right? I mean, it was like a hockey fight. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. Somebody puts their finger in your face. Uh, you know, I get it. I've been there. The adrenaline's going. I mean, he's playing in a baseball game with a stadium full of people, and he can hear just the audible, ooh, like of everybody watching what's happening. I mean, I get it. I understand. He dropped it. I don't know why he was fighting Southpaw. I didn't think he was a Southpaw. He does everything else right-handed, but okay, maybe that was his mistake. And he takes up a good fighting stance. He's ready to go. But you know what? The 5'9 scrapper, and that's what it looked like. It looked like a guy who was going to, he was going to fight like he was in a ring and he had, or an octagon, and he had like a ref. And Ramirez is getting pulled on by, like, a giant. That's what Michael Kopech is. He's a giant. If you've ever stood next to him, yes, as I have. a very, very large man. So a 5'9 guy is being pulled backwards by a giant, and he's street fighting, and he pops Tim, and Tim goes down. All right, that's the fight. You know what I observed from the fight? I don't really care about how the fight started. I'm not going to lay any blame on the fight. It happened. Whatever. I like seeing a little bit of fight. If Tim Anderson really thinks that he's got to stand up for himself, fine, because there isn't a lot of fight in this team, and there hasn't been over the last couple of years. So I, I have no problem with the fact there was a scrap. The only thing I noticed was not a lot of guys really cared about getting in the fight with Tim. For something that built up over years, there was an awful lot of guys standing around doing nothing. Andrew Vaughn was doing stuff. He's the de facto leader on, on Monday. Anybody who spoke wanted to make sure you know Andrew Vaughn is a leader, okay? And maybe he is. I just think it's funny that like the organization named their leader and then kind of put it out like it's like a, a talking point every time somebody gets in front of a microphone. Oh, and by the way, Andrew Vaughn's a leader. Like, Well, that, that's because they've been called out publicly for not having any leadership in the clubhouse. So they dubbed Andrew Vaughn the leader. I mean, you might as well put the C on his chest like they did for Canerco back in the, in 05, right? I mean, like because they, they're telling you, we sat down, we've had a meeting, our marketing people have gotten together, and guess who's your leader? Andrew Vaughn. The only thing I really observed is that it didn't feel like a lot of White Sox players were running to Anderson's defense. I've seen fights on the field before. Well, I did see Eloy Jimenez hobbling away from the fight at one point. I mean, that was the most White Sox thing in the world, the video of Eloy hopping away from the fight with an apparent injury, and luckily he plays the next day. But I mean, like that was so White Sox when you saw that. But to me, it didn't feel like everybody in that clubhouse was going out to fight for their guy. The manager was going and doing it. He knew his role, but there was a lot of half-heartedness, I felt like, on the field. That's the only thing I want to talk about the fight because it gets to the real problem with the team. And that's what comes out when Jesse Rogers of ESPN puts out an interview that he had with Keenan Middleton, one of the relief pitchers traded at the deadline. And he goes through the basic idea that there aren't any rules. When you play for the White Sox, there are no rules. They don't enforce any rules. And 
If you break a rule, there's really no consequences and there's no accountability. And he talks about a guy who was sleeping in the bullpen and he talks about the fact there was a guy who missed a fielding practice and he kind of goes through a couple of different examples and he's like, I'm glad I'm on a team that has a culture and rules and, and there's some discipline and there's some structure because that's how you win. So now I'm with the Yankees and I'm happy there. All right. So it comes out. Now, if it's just him who says it, it's a lot easier to deflect that if you're the White Sox. But Lance Lynn goes on A.J. Pierzynski's Foul Territory TV, and he backs it up. And one of the beat reporters for the Dodgers takes another quote from Lance, saying, basically, I was there longer, and I agree with everything he said. And, and here's the thing. If it's just one guy, Ed, saying it, and the White Sox say, this isn't true, then it's a he said, she said, right? But if you dive into... Rick Hahn's response just to the Keenan Middleton stuff that was backed up by Lance Lynn. The the picture I get is two different camps within this team. There is a camp that thinks that what they're doing isn't the problem. And there's possibly a camp that thought, no, 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 those guys are the problem. We're not the problem. There was clearly issues. There were clearly clicks. But I listened to Rick Hahn's explanation and the first thing he does, is he says, well, I don't understand this. I mean, Middleton came to me right before I traded him and apologized for being unprofessional. And that's supposed to deflect it by saying, well, the, he's the unprofessional one, not us. He's the unprofessional one, not the way that we run our team. There's a chance that both of those things are true. There's a chance, and this is what I believe, that the White Sox have an issue with accountability. And a guy like Middleton pops off and goes about in a very unprofessional way, yelling about something that he perceives to be wrong in the clubhouse. He goes and apologizes. And that right there is how both things can have some kind of truth to them. There can very easily be the problems that were described by Middleton, and he could also have gone about addressing those issues at some point in the wrong way, which leads him to apologizing. When you see after Rick Hahn talks on Monday, Middleton immediately put it out there that he stands by what he said, and you have more than one player that was in that locker room saying the same thing, that seems very feasible. Before I get to your thoughts, my friend, it is also feasible to keep mom and dad, grandma and grandpa out of assisted living, switch them to a new age of life with Hyatt Home Medical Equipment, make it so they can get around on their own, live independently from stair lifts to ramps, grab bars, lift chairs, and even bathroom remodeling. They're going to work with your insurance. They have 0% financing for qualified individuals, and those that mention socks in the basement get an additional discount. If you're using a CPAP machine and you're unhappy with your vendor, switch and get your supplies directly mailed to you, and you can test it out in their showroom. They also have the latest and greatest in continuous glucose monitors. Learn all about what they do at hhme.com or stop in and see them today, 3518 West 95th Street in Evergreen Park. You see, it is feasible that both sides of this story have some truth to them. It's just the lawyer over there who's the GM kind of talking in circles to try to discredit the other guy's story. Yeah, well, and that's exactly how that plays out, right? Because unless Middleton did something to, and, and, and it had come out where, like, let's say Lance Lynn came out and said, well, yeah, but Keenan's the guy that's in the middle of all that or something like that, which is not what he said. 
then you could sit there and say, okay, he's apologizing for his unprofessional behavior because of something he did in the clubhouse. But no, he is saying, look, it's all true. Lance Lynn is saying it's all true, you know, but here's the other part of the problem too. Okay. It's, it's not just these two guys talking about it. There's evidence in all sorts of fashions. And, and it occurred to me that the White Sox have sort of a systemic problem because if guys are coming up through the ranks and there's no real accountability, they're not being taught professionalism down in the minor leagues and they're coming up and expected to be taught how to be a professional by Pedro Grafal, okay, by the manager that's in the major league dugout and creating a culture. Cause that's all I've ever really heard about is creating a culture within sort of the major league dugout, right? Pedro was going to fix that, but I've never really heard like, what's the white Sox way down in the minors and Middleton's point about like the moment he knew he was traded, he shaved his face, even though he didn't want to, because he knows that that's a longstanding rule with the Yankees. That's just one of those things like the Yankees, you just sort of know that, Everybody in that organization, from from the lowest minor leaguer to the ma- highest major leaguer, understands that there are certain expectations of them within that organization. Do the White Sox really have that? And to the extent that they have to publicly anoint Andrew Vaughn a leader when they're being called out publicly for having a void of leadership is curious because here's a guy who is only with the team for a couple of years and you know, isn't a veteran who can sit there and say, I understand what a good major league culture should be. I understand what, now, Andrew Vaughn might be a hell of a guy. Andrew Vaughn might actually be a hell of a professional. We don't know because we don't get access to the, the, the team, not just our podcast, but as fans, we don't get a whole lot of access to these players to understand who they are. The press corps doesn't get access to them. We still haven't heard from Tim Anderson. And I don't think he will. I don't think the Sox are going to let him speak until it's in a controlled environment where they understand what he's going to say. Because T.A. went on Twitter. There's a bunch of cryptic tweets. It wasn't exactly, you know, a coherent message of exactly what he wanted to say. I look at him with his weird tweets and I look at all the different issues that he's had over the last two years. And I don't question the fact that he's a good baseball player who can hit really well. And I don't know anything about the man. I've never met him. So it's really difficult. You, you really don't want to pass judgment. But you're sitting around, like Rick Hahn said in his comments on Monday, that we have been telling you for the last couple of months that we have a cultural problem. We're not hiding from this. This is old news, people saying we have a cultural problem. And then we made a bunch of trades at the trade deadline and had a meeting, and the problem's over. So what is he trying to tell me? Is he trying to tell me that the, the pitching staff was the problem? Lance Lynn, Lucas Giolito, Jake Berger worked his butt off and wasn't even on the team when the thing started and did... I'm supposed to believe that a couple of middle relievers and a few starting pitchers were the issue for the culture, and it there wasn't the position no players. way. There is no way. And when I look at the Tim Anderson thing, and that's why I brought it up at the beginning of the show with the amount of people that ran out there, he may be one of the cultural problems, right? Take, take your love of him away, and if you have a jersey of him, and look at the last couple of days and the way that he isn't speaking and, and the way that it's like it's so guarded. I mean, Rick Hahn is arguing a court case when he goes out there. Yes, sure, he goes in front of the microphone and he talks, but what he's trying to do is he's trying to just kind of poke a couple of holes in a story. He doesn't flat out deny everything. He just kind of sits there and says, that's not how it happened. You're, you're describing you're describing a defense attorney in front of a jury. Creating reasonable doubt, not proving innocence, not telling you all the facts that prove innocence, but just poking holes, reasonable doubt, poking holes in the prosecution's case against them, 
to, to make you think that maybe, maybe this is not what we've heard. Maybe this is not what Lance Lynn and Keenan Middleton are saying, but also it's not something, you know, you want to talk about a cultural problem. Lucas Giolito, we heard in the aftermath of the trade, he wanted to retire a White Sox. He loved it here. Jake Berger didn't necessarily want to go. He he was a guy, like you said, who worked his butt off. Who, he looked you know, like he was going to cry. And popular amongst his teammates. Right. He looked like he was going to cry, and he seemed like he was popular. So that's why it doesn't make any sense. That's the thing. Like, like people argue Rick Hahn answered everything point by point. No, he only talked about a couple of things that Middleton said. He never addressed the report that Jesse Rogers had the next day where he talked about the issues with Aloy Jimenez's effort and Yoan Moncada's effort and the problems that Yasmani Grandal has with pitchers, right? When Yasmani Grandal comes out and addresses the report that was on 670 score about him and Timmy Anderson getting into it and Yasmani supposedly smacking T.A. while he's sitting in either a hot tub or a cold tub or wherever he's sitting, right? His, his response to everything was to basically say, well, that's unreal. Or I don't know if he said not real or unreal because the guy mutters like he's like a like a South Park character. I have no idea what he's saying half the time. Right. But then when he when the follow up question was answered, he didn't even answer the follow up question. He goes, I've already, I've already answered that. No, no, no. They asked you the follow up question because they couldn't understand what you said the first time you said it. And you didn't really answer the question. And then when somebody asked Rick Hahn about it, he goes, what are you trying to say? My player might be lying. Well, yeah, that's completely possible. It's completely possible that something got out that you admit should never have gotten out of the locker room. That not only did Grandal say everything should stay in the locker room, but you said everything should stay in the locker room. And it's completely possible that he's not giving 100% of the truth. And it was like, and they laugh at the beat reporters and poo-poo their questions. And I'm supposed to sit here and believe what these people are saying. My impression of this team is that you have, you have a culture on the White Sox in which there are camps, and there have been camps now for several years and multiple managers, where you have groups, and, and one of those groups has the ear of management, and that happens in workplaces. I'm telling you right now, there are people who are listening to this show who are in workplaces just like that. I was in a workplace like that. I was in a workplace where I had a, like a, a clique of people, and no matter how incompetent they were and how many ridiculous things that they did, no matter how mean they were to the people that were around them, no matter how many poor decisions that they made, they had the ear of the guy who was in charge. And they were always going to get the benefit of the doubt. And the other people, they were always going to be the bad guy no matter what. And there were times where I wasn't in either group. I tried to stay out of it. I just watched it from both sides. But you could see it. And sometimes you get a click where they're part of the group. I feel like Yasmani Grandel. There's no other reason why he hasn't been DFA'd, but except for the fact that he's part of the group. He's part of the group that happens to be in control of the White Sox right now. Rick Hahn's part of that. There's no reason to have him on this team anymore, especially if that incident happened or anything close to it, right? Like, let's say he didn't hit him in the hot tub, but he hit him at the locker. Let's say he didn't slap him, but he pushed him, right? Like, that's how, again, that feels, when I listen to these guys deny their stories, they don't succinctly say, I've never had a physical altercation. They go, oh, that, that's not the story. That's not the story. Then what is the story, right? So the thing is, is that's what it sounds like. It sounds like what we have is deflection and camps, and what the, what the bad camp is trying to tell you is that I'm still in charge. We got rid of the problems. And, to, and for you to believe that, you have to believe that Lucas Giolito was the problem. Lance Lynn was the problem. Jake Berger was the problem. A bunch of middle relievers were the problem. It had nothing to do with the, the guys that you've given all this money to and have never performed. It had nothing to do with the guys that you're hearing in these stories are the problem. They're not the problem because they're in the camp. 
That's that's what this looks like. It looks like a dysfunctional workplace. And if you've ever worked in a dysfunctional workplace, there's no difference between this dysfunctional workplace and let's say you're working at a jewel food store and the front desk manager has banded together with the cashiers and the baggers and thinks the produce people are jerks and they're arguing every day. And one person gets away with all kinds of extra stuff and their breaks and things like that. And the other person gets held to a different standard because they don't like them. Like, that's what this feels like when I listen to this team talk. And it just reminds me of a dysfunctional workplace where it's like, but Yaz is my guy, right? Yaz is my guy. I like Yaz. I, I, I turn a blind eye to anything he might have done wrong, but I have a problem with these other people over here. And that's why you got to clean house and get rid of all these people. It was time for that music bumper. I need to calm down for a moment. This discussion may continue later on in Tinley Park in that tap room at Hailstorm Brewing Company. The giant German beer hall with the complete working brewery. They're also on tap over at Cork and Carry at the park. And Hailstorm Brewing in Tinley Park is open for lunch now. Scratch Kitchen opens for lunch 11 a.m. Tuesday through Sunday. The smoked wings are incredible. And the last time I was out there, the friend that I was sitting with had the pork pastrami panini, and I was jealous. I've yet to have a bad meal there. May I suggest the multi-ball madness for you? It tastes like it's a high ABV beer. It's only 5.2%. Live music on the weekends. The patio outside is also hopping. Get out there to Tinley Park, 8060, 186th Street, right off of 80th Avenue. See more at hailstormbrewing.com. Now, I believe that Rick Hahn is on the way out the door. I think he's being set up like like the end of a mobster movie by by, uh, Kenny Williams. So he's Joe Pesci in Casino. He's going to end up in a cornfield? Well, I think think he's being set up. I think that's why he's out in front. You know, you'll sit there and say, well, Rick normally talks all the time. When things are good, Kenny's out there. Well, and don't discount, you know, there was rumblings that the the burger trade was actually Kenny Williams pulling the trigger on that. Rumblings, the head of the Miami Marlins front office said publicly that Kenny Williams traded Jake Burger. That's right. That's right. That's the report. That's the report. And we said on our show that we had heard, and and I actually said it, I was like, I don't know how, how real this is. But we had already gotten word that it was possible that that Williams was making the moves instead of Han inside that front office. The thing that really sticks out to me, and this is my tinfoil hat moment, but watch watch it come true. You see Bill Cower out there on Monday? And no, he's not going to be the general manager of the White Sox. And he's not no, going to be no, the, 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 he, we're not We're not going NFL into MLB here. No, but, but if you look up what Bill Cower does, he's not just a guy who goes on for pregame. Bill Cower runs a consulting thing where he goes and talks sports motivation and identifies problems with big companies where there's bad communication, people aren't motivated, and tries. he's a consultant. He's that guy. Remember, he's he's like the two Bobs from Office Space. That's what he does, except he's that's what he goes and he motivates yeah, people. And he, he, out except he, he's run right. Bill instead of two Bobs. Yeah, and, and Bill Cowers, out on the field, not with Rickon. He was nowhere in that picture I saw that what got put out. Kenny and, and Jerry are out there, and Jerry never comes out. He never comes out. In nope. fact, he was asked to comment on what was going on, and he gave a one-word answer of no. Like, he just dismissed. <laughs> who did he dismiss? I got to look at this real quick because I saw this. He dismissed somebody who, who asked the question, Steve Greenberg. Yeah. Steve Greenberg, columnist for the Sun-Times, asked Jerry Reinsdorf on the White Sox myriad of problems. The quote is no. 
Didn't say no comment. Just said no. No. <laughs> like, listen, that guy doesn't want to come out in the public. But he, he's talking. But he's talking to his 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 surrogate son, Kenny. Right. right? He's talking to Kenny Williams, who Kenny's is, not going is, anywhere. Is a, trust me, he's not going yeah. anywhere. But Rick's I, gone. I think. Right. He's talking to Kenny Williams, who has been for decades now. The guy that that Jerry has that is his baseball guy, right? Kenny Williams is his baseball guy. Rick Hahn, you know, we've talked about the fact that Rick Hahn's background is as a lawyer, not so much as a baseball player, scout, anything like that, but he was a lawyer, good with contracts, analytical, all that stuff. Jerry, Kenny, Bill Cower, let's assume that you're right, okay, and that they're talking about the cultural problems within the White Sox, the organizational problems within the White Sox, the things that have, because Jerry's not dumb, right? He is. He he knows. He understands the public perception of the franchise. Whether or not he really cares is is subject to speculation. Because again, you ask him for a comment and he just says no. The cultural change is going to come from actually having a coherent vision for what this team is supposed to be and what they are supposed to be on the field. And 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 I think one of the problems you have is with the White Sox. Again, with this rebuild, this retool, this, you know, reboot, reshuffling, reshoveling of, of crap, whatever, whatever we've gone through since 2016, and relying on talent and relying on talent alone and just saying, this guy is the most talented guy, this guy's the most talented guy, this guy's the most talented guy, what you end up with is a collection of alphas, and you end up with a bunch of guys who may or may not get along, but then you have to talk about winning culture and all that stuff when, you know, sometimes you just need a few guys that are in there that are going to be able to keep the peace. And that's where the leadership comes in, in play. And, and the idea of having an organization that sits there and says, these are the rules we follow. This is what we expect from you on the field. This is what we expect from you in the clubhouse. We ingrain it from you from the time you're drafted or signed to the team. And if you're coming in from the outside, you better know what to expect. Instead, we've got camps. Here's an indication that the wrong camp inside of the White Sox is in charge. And again, I'll point at Yasmani Grandal's comments on Monday. Yasmani Grandal tried to blame the idea that Liam Hendricks wasn't available at the end of games on why the White Sox haven't won a lot this year. Remember when he got cancer and I said, I can't wait for the first person to use that? I thought it would be the front office, but it's probably just a guy who's in the front office's camp in Grandal, because again, there's no reason why he's on this team. He should be DFA'd at this point. No reasonable person would expect to have him on the roster next year. He's declining. He's clear. There's clearly a clash of personalities there, and there's several pitchers that have left the team that seem to think he's a problem. So I don't understand why he's there, especially after you went out and got all this young talent and told me this is the future of the team at the trade deadline. But you have Yasmani floating this theory now that we would have been a winning team if only we had Liam Hendricks, which is preposterous. And and kudos to Jay Kuda, who's been on this show before. He likes to put out all kinds of factoids on Twitter, who redid all of the standings in Major League Baseball if every game lasted seven innings. Because the quote from Grandal was, we were winning a lot of these games to the seventh, something along those lines. I, can, I don't even want to find the quote. It makes my brain hurt. But he said the seventh inning. If you redo the standings where every game was through seven innings, the White Sox would be 42, 59, and 12 and still in fourth place. But that's the camp that's talking right now. And that's what bothers me. And that's why you need to clean house because you have to remove the camps. 
The camps have to be removed. In any bad workplace, a good owner, or let's even say a good upper management person, like if Kenny Williams is worth anything, would remove the camps by starting to scuttle what's inside here and cleaning out all the rot. Because this team is rotten to the core. It doesn't have anything down in the minor leagues that trains guys to be ready for the major leagues. It's got bad cultural problems. It's got infighting. I mean, right now, what are the Vegas odds on an actual fight inside of the dugout this week that gets caught on camera? With everything that's being said right now, what is the possibility they didn't really get rid of the one camp completely during the trade deadline? Because it was basically pitchers that they dealt away. Right. So, I mean, like, I don't think this is over in any way. And this shows the wrong camps are there. I, 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 you know, before we get out of here, too, I want I want to remind people liars get caught eventually when they're lying. And and I use the word lie. And I know that the attorney over there who's the general manager of the team is probably like, I didn't really lie because he's a defense attorney. So he just kind of bends the truth to what actually fits him. But I, I look at anybody that's disingenuous that tells stories and tries to revise history. I see those people as liars. I see them as as untrue, okay? I see them as deceitful. Well, when you're trying to cover for all the BS that you put out there, eventually you forget some of your lies. You forget some of your untruths. Remember when we were told that when Pedro got in there, all he needed was spring training to be able to change the culture of this team? Rick Hahn, in a throwaway question on Monday, plainly stated that that was impossible to believe that that was going to happen because he had to sit back for the first couple months of the season and observe the culture before he could do anything with it. But when tickets were available and he wanted you to purchase them, he told you a completely different story. And that's why I don't believe anything that he's saying and anything his camp is saying. That's why. That's why when you hear Middleton and Lynn with two different teams right now, one backing up the other one and all the other reports coming out, it is impossible for me to believe what was said in its entirety at those press conferences on Monday. It's impossible. Okay, and, and Grafol was even saying, Grafol's thing was that he misidentified leaders. Oh my goodness, who did he think were the leaders? Remember T.A.? T.A., everybody thought he was a leader. Is he one of the misidentified leaders? Or am I supposed to believe that Lance Lynn and Lucas Giolito and the guy that didn't even make the team on opening day, Jake Berger, and a couple of middle relievers, those were the leaders that were misidentified, Ed. You think those are all, all the guys that got traded at the deadline, those were the misidentified leaders and all the culture problems? Because that's what I was told on Monday. We made some trades, we had a meeting, culture problems are solved. We're building this on rock now instead of in the muck. That was the quote. Come on! You talk about being disingenuous. I have yet to really hear from anyone in the White Sox organization an admission that this was a failure by anybody other than somebody else, right? Oh, no, it's always somebody else. It's always it, somebody it, it, else. It's, 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 it's a leader who's no longer, it's a misidentified leader who's no longer here. It's a player who shouldn't have said something to a national reporter. It wasn't me. It was the one-armed man. They, they sound like they sound like Jake Blues trying not to get gunned down by Carrie Fisher. <laughs> Baby, it wasn't me. It wasn't my fault. My car got a flat tire. Locusts. I, you know, an old friend came in from out of town. It wasn't my fault. Socks in the basement. Socks 
in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found. And always on SocksInTheBasement.com.